This evening's talk <clears throat> is about faith. And uh, beginning with a quote from Henry David Thoreau from his book called Faith in a Seed. Though I do not believe that a plant will spring up where no seed has been, I have great faith in a seed. Convince me that you have a seed there and I'm prepared to expect wonders. <clears throat> During my uh, two days <clears throat> away from our retreat each week, I've been going home uh, to my home in Taos and spending some hours each day working in my flower and vegetable gardens, uh, planting seeds, watering the plants that <clears throat> are already up and growing, and also weeding out the wild growth that seems to have a very strong inclination to take over all of the gardens. Gardening is an aspect of my practice. It's a powerful teacher for me as well. Last Saturday, I planted lettuce seeds. And as happens every year, I again, this past Saturday, noticed a sense of awe and faith, along with remembering the great patience that's called for with this endeavor of gardening. As I observed the tiny little lettuce seeds in my hand, awe arose in relationship to the mystery that these tiny little dots do what they do. And faith arose based in years of experience in the fact that most of them will eventually burst out of their tight little selves and grow fruit, we could say, into lettuce. So I've been considering faith recently. What is it? Where does it come from? How does it work? What's its relationship to spiritual practice and specifically in relationship to my spiritual practice and especially in relationship to the teachings and the practices as taught by the Buddha. Is there a difference between faith and belief? And if so, what is the difference? Faith in what? In who? <clears throat> I'd like to read you uh, a chapter from, uh, it's a children's book, and this one happens to be called Frog and Toad Together. Some of you may be familiar with this book. And this is the chapter called The Garden. Frog was in his garden. Toad came walking by. What a fine garden you have, Frog, he said. <clears throat> Yes, said Frog, it's very nice, but it was hard work. I wish I had a garden, said Toad. 
Here are some flower seeds. Plant them in the ground, said Frog, and soon you will have a garden. How soon? asked Toad. Quite soon, said Frog. Toad ran home. He planted the flower seeds. Now seeds, said Toad, start growing. Toad walked up and down a few times. The seeds did not start to grow. Toad put his head close to the ground and said loudly, Now seeds, start growing. Toad looked at the ground again. The seeds did not start to grow. Toad put his head very close to the ground and shouted, Now seeds, start growing. Frog came running up the path. What's all the noise, he asked. My seeds will not grow, said Toad. You're shouting too much, said Frog. (laughs) Those poor seeds, they're afraid to grow. My seeds are afraid to grow, asked Toad. Of course, said Frog. Leave them alone for a few days. Let the sun shine on them. Let the rain fall on them. Soon your seeds will start to grow. That night, Toad Toad looked out of his window. Drat, said Toad. My seeds have not started to grow. They must be afraid of the dark. (laughs) Toad went out to his garden with some candles. I'll read the seeds a story, said Toad. Then they won't be afraid. Toad read a long story to his seeds. All the next day, Toad sang songs to his seeds. And all the next day, Toad read poems to his seeds. And all the next day, Toad played music for his seeds. Toad looked at the ground. The seeds still did not start to grow. Oh, what shall I do, cried Toad. These must be the most frightened seeds in the whole world. Then Toad felt very tired, and he went to sleep. Toad, Toad, wake up, said Frog. Look at your garden. Toad looked at his garden. Little green plants were coming up out of the ground. Oh, at last, shouted Toad. My seeds have stopped being afraid to grow. And now you will have a nice garden, too, said Frog. Yes, said Toad, but you were right, Frog. It was very hard work. (laughs) In the uh, teachings that we've inherited from the Buddha, faith is one of the first wholesome uh, or positive mental factors which are called the five spiritual powers. The other four being effort or energy, mindfulness, concentration, and wisdom. These five wholesome factors of mind are what bring power and balance to our mind and heart. With each one of them being an essential aspect of our practice on our path towards awakening, our path towards liberation. Faith is also one of the wholesome and beautiful 
factors of mind that I mentioned in last evening's Dhamma talk. Our practice of meditation is the process through which we develop these qualities in a very deep and pervasive way so that they become strong and enduring enduring forces along the way of our spiritual path and in through every aspect of our life. So one aspect of faith is that it's a power. It's a strength. The Pali word that's translated as faith is sada. And there's really no one word in English that can really truly encompass the full meaning of sada. Faith from this perspective encompasses um, trust and confidence, uh, courage, patience, strength, devotion, and clarity. The literal translation of the Pali word sada is to place the heart upon, to connect from the heart, to offer one's heart, to give over one's heart. And so with faith, we're cultivating a a strength of heart and a strength of mind that's rooted in confidence, courage, devotion, clarity, and patience. So faith as a power, a strength, and faith as a verb, an action to place the heart upon, to connect from the heart, to offer one's heart. Quite a number of years ago now, over a a period of about 10 years, I was invited to teach the Dhamma in Israel on a once a year basis. And my Israeli students told me that uh, the root word of faith in Hebrew is a verb. They said it's not something that we have, but rather it's something that we do. So from this perspective, we sada, we could say. We're willing to embark on the journey, willing to take the next step, willing to open to the unknown, and to see it all as an adventure. So again, faith as a power, a strength, and as a verb, an action. From the perspective of the Buddha Dhamma, there are three levels of faith. The first being what's called blind faith, which usually occurs when we encounter something or someone that inspires us. And this might be by a particularly meaningful moment or a meaningful experience for us in the natural world or maybe in relationship to a specific piece of music or a work of art. Faith might be inspired 
by an uplifting or illuminating lecture or a discussion or a Dhamma talk. Or possibly in connecting with a very wonderfully inspiring person. Any of these experiences can engender a level of faith in which we feel filled with a kind of brightness or a, a delight and maybe some degree of devotion and love in the moments of these encounters. But sometimes this may not be grounded in wisdom. And so it may be the cause of what is called blind faith. This flavor of faith is often in relationship to something outside of ourselves, meaning faith-based in a dependence on someone or something outside of ourselves to make us feel good, to make us feel happy. But the truth of the way of things is that people, situations, all experiences change. Consequently, this flavor of faith isn't sustainable. In time, or sometimes maybe quite quickly, we may find that we're experiencing maybe disappointment, or maybe we feel disillusioned. Blind faith often disappears, and we may then feel some sadness. We may feel frustrated, or maybe even distraught. Very likely something that each one of us in this room have experienced to some degree at some point in our life. The Buddha talked about a deeper level of faith, a second level of faith called verified faith. And this level of faith is rooted in a confidence that's born out of our own wise consideration by using our natural intelligence and discriminating wisdom to mindfully investigate our own direct experience of body, mind, and heart. So, for example, we have faith in the truth of change. We have faith in anicca, impermanence. Not just because we've heard about it or because we've read about it, but because of our own clear observation, investigation, and reflection. And the understanding, the intuitive insights that arise out of our direct mindful attention to our own experiences of body, mind, and heart. As we directly sense see and know this perfectly natural truth occurring over and over and over again, we find that we less and less experience disappointment, that we less and less feel maybe disillusioned. We less and less often feel as though I've been abandoned by things by situations, by people, when they change and when they disappear. 
our faith in the changing nature, the impermanent nature of all things, actually provides for the possibility of a a great strength and confidence. And in truth, it opens the door of the heart, of the mind, to the perfectly natural fact of boundless possibility. And so we begin to experience a deeper faith in the journey, the amazing journey of our awakening. Faith to keep moving forward along the path. Faith towards moving into the unknown with an open mind, an open heart, and meeting whatever the next moment brings. We could say that, in a way, this is the first step. Recognizing that everything is moving onward to something else. Everything. Everything inside our own body-mind continuum. Within what we think of as our self and everything outside of us, everything around us. Everything is morphing, changing. From the perspective of the Buddha's teachings and practices, this is really an essential foundation of faith. This growing recognition, acceptance, and deepening understanding that life is transition. Or maybe there really are no transitions. It's all movement out of and into, out of and into, ongoing and ongoing and ongoing. There's a myth that's been around for many, many years. The myth is that Mount Everest... is growing a quarter of an inch every year. (laughs) When what really is occurring is that the landmass of India is continually sinking. (laughs) And something that's not a myth is that the older mountains, in our view right here in the Taos Ski Valley, are shrinking every year. People come and go in our lives. Governments and systems change. A particular difficult relationship changes. It transforms into a a connection that we trust. Our moods. Maybe we wake, wake up fearful. Then maybe later in the day we feel relaxed and reassured and at ease. Then in the evening, we may experience restlessness or uneasiness or edginess. And on it goes from mood to mood to mood to mood. With our growing wisdom, 
our growing intuitive understanding based in verified faith. We're more and more able to touch into uh, and accept the present moment, which in fact is fading and dissolving into the unknown even as we meet it. With a clear, verified faith, we find that we can open up to what's happening right now in all of its very quickly fleeting ephemerality and with all of the changes in our bodies, our mind, and our heart, and in relationship to the world around us. With all of this, we don't have to be any sort of special person. We really just be ourselves. Really, truly, just be ourselves. It's our inalienable right. It's our natural human heritage to be awake, to be a real human being as the Venerable Sayadaw Upandita often said, to be a real human being. This is simply and naturally our human possibility, our human heritage. The Buddha's teaching and our meditation practice is rooted in the confidence that the seed of presence, the seed of a pure, concentrated, mindful attention is present in each and every human being. And so we place our heart upon the potential for the wakefulness that we really, truly are. The third level of faith that the Buddha spoke about is a great power, the great power of unshakable faith. This is the faith that we have in relationship to one aspect of it, in relationship to the direction of our spiritual path, meaning the faith in the incredibly vast potential of our understanding. Unshakable faith is rooted in our verified faith, which continues to deepen and to strengthen through a meditation practice that develops and blossoms towards bringing the fruits and the gifts of genuine intuitive insight. The primary ingredient of heart and mind by which this happens is learning to stay open and connected in the experience of the moment. So unshakable faith is rooted in opening to the mystery, meaning opening to the truth beyond the realm of our habituated conditioned ideas, opinions, interpretations, beliefs, feelings, and 
self-identities. Unshakable faith is faith in our own direct, immediate, deepest experience, just as it is in the moment. When we touch this depth through our meditation practice, our faith and trust in the teachings and in our practice and in ourself moves towards becoming unshakable. This has been likened to a magical gem, which, when it's dropped in water, has the power to cause all impurities to settle to the bottom, rendering the water sparkling clear. Faith potentially has much power in the mind and in the heart. It can subdue and settle doubt. It can subdue and settle agitation. And it can create an inner environment of inspiration and confidence and patience and strength and purity. This path of awakening asks a very deep and profound willingness of us. Willingness to open directly to our experience. Willingness to open to the mystery, if you will, of experience. Willingness to open to the true nature of experience. So, taking a few moments now to look at the difference between faith and belief. To travel this path, we actually need to rely on faith, not on belief. And faith, as I've already mentioned, is the willingness to open to the mystery of experience, which turns out to be the true nature of experience. This is in direct contrast to belief. When we meet our experience with a set of beliefs, it actually becomes a process of interpreting and understanding experience so that, in fact, it conforms to our conditioned, habituated patterns of belief meeting patterns that are already set in place. Well-learned, pre-established patterns, learned patterns of belief and perception, habituated ways of thinking and acting, or more accurately, we could say, habituated ways of reacting, which includes the inherited learned ways from our culture as well as from all of the various venues of our family upbringing. So, faith as willingness and confidence. Confidence and faith rooted or or based in experience, not based on beliefs and habituated ways of thinking and acting.
Sada, faith, confidence and trust, meaning confidence, confidence and trust in our own potential for waking up. A grounded faith in our potential growing, in, in our, uh, a grounded faith in our potential that growing from our faith in our own direct and deepest experiences. Faith in the possibility of waking up out of suffering. Waking up out of the sticky, very sticky quagmire of ongoing dissatisfaction, discomfort, disappointment, neediness. Faith in the possibility of waking up into the spaciousness of open-hearted presence and ease of being with things just as they are, however they are, inside us and outside of us. And again, as the Venerable Saira Upandita said, through our practice, we are becoming a real human being. A very beautiful way of looking at and expressing this, I think. With a meditation practice, in a concentrated, mindful attention. We're shifting the basis or shifting the organization of our personality, we could say, away from the habitual, conditioned patterns of reaction and away from the created or constructed identities of who we think we are, what we call of what we call and think of as our self. We're shifting the basis of our ways of selfing to just simply being mindful awareness itself. This approach to practice begins to break down the habituated patterns. It begins to dismantle our often long-held, conditioned, habituated patterns. So we're moving away from the various beliefs of I am this, I am that, I am something. Knowing that in truth, we aren't anything. (laughs) With a growing faith in our practice and in ourself, very important, and in ourself, in relationship to our practice, we're moving along step by step by step with mindful attention and great care, kindness, and tenderness directly into the mystery of our being. And this requires faith, a willingness strength, power, great patience and confidence, a faith that blossoms right out of the seeds of our experience. A practice rooted in the seed of a pure, mindful attention, rooted in the seeds of mindful concentration and awareness, is actually present 
and available in everyone. And again, a most important aspect of our practice is to provide the conditions in which these seeds can grow and blossom. And again, the quote from Henry David Thoreau that we began our talk with, Though I do not believe that a plant will spring up where no seed has been, I have great faith in a seed. Convince me that you have a seed there, and I'm prepared to expect wonders. Spiritual practice rooted in mindful awareness informs us along the way that we must live. That awakening, the liberation, is about living without the false reassurances of of explanations, uh, our uh, our conditioned explanations, our conditioned need for order and structure that we've habitually been attached to and identified with for maybe most of our life. Stepping into the mystery, stepping directly into the true nature of things allows us to embrace life by learning to live life based in mindful attention. And this is what frees us from unsatisfactoriness, what frees us from a sense of incompleteness and separateness that pervades a life that's based in habitual, conditioned, reactive patterns. There's a great vitality in life that's grounded in mindful presence. And a quote that I found many years ago, I actually don't know who I'm quoting here, but I like the quote. (laughs) When you come to the edge of all the light that you know, and you are about to step off into the darkness of the unknown, faith is knowing that one of two things will happen. There will be something solid to stand on, or we will learn to fly. <laughs> so closing the talk, this is a short talk tonight, closing the talk uh, with an excerpt uh, from a book by uh, uh, Barry Lopez. He's a writer and uh, uh, a naturalist and writer and an environmental, uh, and very environmentally conscious person. And this is a, a book, or a piece from his book called Arctic Dreams. <clears throat> and it's the chapter called Bowing. Glaucous gulls fly over. In the shore lead are phalaropes with their twig-like legs. In the distance I can see flocks of old squaw against the sky, 
in a few cormorants, a patch of shadow that could be several thousand crested auklets too, too far away to know. Out there are whales I have seen, six or eight gray whales as I walked this evening, and the ice pale as the dove-colored sky. The wind raises the surface of the water, wake of a seal in the shore lead, gone now. I bowed, I bowed to what knows no deliberating legislature or parliament, no religion, no competing theories of economics, an expression of allegiance with the mystery of life. I looked out over the Bering Sea and brought my hands folded to the breast of my parka and bowed from the waist deeply toward the north, that great strait filled with life, the ice, and the water. I held the bow to the pale sulfur sky. I held the bow to the pale sulfur sky at the northern rim of the earth. I held the bow until my back back ached and my mind was emptied of its categories and designs, its plans and speculations. I bowed before the simple evidence of the moment in my life in a tangible place on the earth that was beautiful. When I stood, I thought I glimpsed my own desire. The landscape and the animals were like something found at the end of a dream. The edges of the real landscape became one with the edges of something I had dreamed. But what I had dreamed was only a pattern, some beautiful pattern of light. The continuous work of the imagination, I thought, to bring what is actual together with what is dreamed is an expression of human evolution. The conscious desire is to achieve a state even momentarily, that like light is unbounded, nurturing, suffused with wisdom and creation, a state in which one has absorbed that very darkness which before was the perpetual sign of defeat. Whatever world that is, it lies far ahead, but its outline, its intimation is clear in the landscape. And upon this, one can actually hope that we will find our way. I bowed again, deeply toward the north, and turned south to retrace my steps over the dark cobbles to the home where I was staying. I was full of appreciation for all that I had seen. And let's sit quietly for just a few moments. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.